Hey, Crystal, what have you been wrestling with recently? How my interior life relates to my apostolic work. Listen in to find out more. Welcome to A Word from Our Outpost. With Joseph and Crystal Gruber. A podcast for Catholic disciples who are wrestling to be missionary-minded in their normal, everyday lives. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Direct, O Lord, our actions by thy holy inspiration that every word and work of ours may begin in thee, and by thee be happily ended. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So you were saying you're wrestling with this interior life business. Tell me more. Yeah. So I've been rereading The Soul of the Apostolate, which is a really great book from by John baptiste Chatard. Um, and he talks about the primacy of the interior life as it relates to apostolic life. And it's been convicting me and lighting a fire in my pants. I was going to ask where the fire was, but your (laughs) pants, you say. That's the place where fires start for liars, I think. Oh, no. Maybe it's in my heart. Maybe. Maybe. The core of my being. There you go. Yeah. And... Can we back up a step? Yes. Why are you reading this book right now? Oh, I'm reading it with a friend. Tell me more. Um, well, I had been reading it, or I had been wanting to reread it, and every time I like looked at it and thought about it, this friend came to mind. I thought, I should read it with this friend. And then around about the time that that was happening, this friend texted me and said, hey, can we have early morning phone conversations? Is that something you'd be up for right now in your life? And I said, yes. Can we read this book together? And then I think she responded with a text message of a picture of the book in her hand a couple of days later. Presumably delivered via some sort of... Or uncovered on her bookshelf. Oh, maybe. I'm not sure which. One of the two. Okay. Um, So that was her way of saying yes. Yes. (laughs) She let me know she had a copy of said book and was game for reading it with me. How long have you been reading it, rereading it? Six weeks. Okay. So what have been some things that you're wrestling with from that book? Well, the first thing that came to my mind at the, the very moment that you asked that particular question is there's a story of an apostolic worker, I think in in the I think it's a priest who does not maintain an interior life. And a picture of paint is painted of the downward spiral of the state of his soul. And and how it starts out with the apostolic work that he's doing is bearing fruit. And so he thinks he needs to kind of keep going and then it becomes sort of this hamster wheel where His soul is now at risk and he's no longer praying, no longer pursuing virtues and then bad things happen. Um, But at first it looks like it's going to be okay and then it clearly isn't by the end. And reading that made me realize there have been times in my experience of having an active apostolate where I can see where I've maybe started to go down that track And reading that in comparison to all these different stories in the book of people who have active apostolates, and it's clear 
that the Lord is working in incredible, beautiful ways, primarily for the salvation of the soul of the person doing the apostolic work, and then secondarily to help that person bring additional souls along the road with them. And, and wanting and desiring and being attracted to the idea of the latter description, wanting to be the kind of person who's working in the the Lord's vineyard in a way that's attractive and beautiful and fruitful and not at the expense of the salvation of my own soul. So I guess it sounds really appealing. Where's the struggle for you? Ugh. The lived reality of saying yes to Jesus all the time, or even some of the time at this point. <laughs> Let's be real. Um, yeah, realizing that, I mean, at some points, especially in the last year or two of life, I, I, I guess even ebbing and flowing throughout all, all kinds of different seasons I can identify it. But right now I've been feeling it more recently of this struggling just to maintain a regular life of prayer in the midst of family life and moving and different things of just feeling like I can, it's all I can do to get a few minutes with the Lord each day. And yet even in the midst of that, of really feeling like, am I even praying? If I Am I even making time for the Lord? I had mentioned to you recently, Joseph, that I'd gone back and looked through my journal. I'm definitely praying, <laughs> but yet in, in the daily grind, I don't remember those encounters with the Lord very well. And then I think I'm less likely, I, I don't think, I know that there have been times where I just haven't responded to that still small voice um, and then I'm just spent and I, and realizing, read, rereading this, realizing there's a lot of times where I've gotten to the end of the day and been spent in a not good way and reading this and realizing that's not there, there's a disconnect somewhere. Um, and since realizing that really seeking to find where's that disconnect, what's going on and being able to get to the end of the day being tired, <laughs> being ready for bed, being ready to sit down, but not being spent in the same negative way. Um, and I want more of that. So wrestling with the reality that I am not choosing that often, but I want to. That being the being attentive to what the Lord is asking me to in the little things. What's been helping you recently to be more attentive? Um, so a couple of things are coming to mind. The first thing that's actually coming to mind, are you ready? I'm ready. I don't think this is <laughs> what Uh-oh. you're going to expect me to say. But I recently, um, I mean now at this point, it was several months ago, had this experience of getting to the Adoration Chapel for my weekly holy hour. And the person that was there before me, said to me, sister, Jesus loves you. And it, and at the, initially it was like, oh yeah, yeah. And then after he left, I looked at the Lord and the blessed sacrament and realized, like, oh yeah, yeah, Jesus loves me. And that really struck me, struck me. Well, later I was able to share that with this person's spouse 
And um, the spouse thanked me for sharing that and mentioned that the person that said that to me was feeling uncertain about whether or not <laughs> that was um, the Lord asking him to say that. And, and so being able to affirm that. So I think that thinking about how many moments have I felt like maybe that's the still small voice of the Lord asking me to make a phone call or send a text message or say these little words to somebody and I haven't done it. Um, and a lot of the times I really don't have anything to lose in doing it. Um, or at least not, not a whole lot. Maybe I look like a little bit silly, but really that's not a big deal. I look a lot silly often. (laughs) I wasn't going to say that. (laughs) Um, but being able to enter into those moments and that voice and being able to say yes to it and encounter whatever the Lord and, and whoever the Lord is asking me to encounter in these little ways. Um, and I think this past week I had the great gift of getting to go to one of the week-long Theology of the Body Institute courses, which was taught by Christopher West. Thank you, Joseph, for facilitating that. You're welcome. Um, and, and just he, being in a culture of people that were talking about encountering the Lord and listening to his voice and doing things for him, even in the little things, um, started to fan the flame that even these last couple days, I've been feeling a huge difference in sort of my, just how I am at the end of the day, (laughs) but also being able to look to little moments of where, you know, I, thought about sending someone a text message four times today and I actually did it as opposed to the times where I usually think about it 10 times and don't do it. Um, Maybe next time I'll do it the first time I think about it, but just learning to be attentive to those little things and taking action and not worrying about whether I really, because I think oftentimes I don't do the things because I'm worried about whether or not, oh, is this actually Jesus asking me to do this? But like, it doesn't hurt to send somebody a friendly text message whether or not it's Jesus. And I'm not going to know if it is if I don't try. So your concern is more so, is this actually coming from God? And you're not asking the question. Because I often just ask myself the question, if I can turn the conversation to me for a moment. Yeah, please. Um, of saying, is this going to be worthwhile? Mm-hmm. And I don't really have any criteria for judging whether or not it's going to be worthwhile. But that question is enough to paralyze me, mm-hmm. right? To say, will this do good? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think to ask, well, if, is it from God? Because if it's from God, then its conclusion is not under my control. Yeah, that just made me think of... Uh, someone we know who really felt like the Lord was asking her to do something specific and she was told that if she did that thing it it wasn't going to work like the person she was asking to participate with her was going to say no and she said I'm doing it anyways so the thing was she was going to ask someone from a Protestant church to put up a sign for the upcoming 40 days for life and she had a sense that they were not very 
much on the pro-life bandwagon, but she still felt called to do it. Yeah. And then she... And she did it. And they said... No. (laughs) After putting her off many times and she kept going back. Until she got a clear answer. Yeah. And it just really inspired me that, that she was able to be obedient to what God was asking her to, being almost positive that it was not going to, quote, bear fruit, that it was not going to be, quote, worthwhile. But she was being obedient to what the Lord was asking her. And that has also been a kick in the pants. <laughs> yeah, the example of other people being obedient to the to what they're discerning, whether or not it's the will of God, mm-hmm. but they're willing to act, right? Because they were first willing to pray, mm-hmm. right? You know, the friend who approached the church, she has a life of prayer. She was praying about it. And the Lord gave her street names. <laughs> oh. <laughs> if there was any doubt in her mind about the church, she was pretty clear with street names. Yeah, but... The point being, like, um, willing to, to just do it. Yeah. Yeah. But but fundamentally, there is that ability to rest in her identity mm-hmm. as a child of God, mm-hmm. as beloved, and having that sense of detachment. Like, I'm not called to be successful. I'm called to be faithful. Mm-hmm. That Mother Teresa kind of quote that I'm paraphrasing. Um, and... and so, I, I mean, I've read The Soul of the Apostolate a while back, like 10 years ago, a while back. Um, and one of the things that I thought was very key was a sense of um, just radical detachment, just saying, like, I, I'm here to, to do the will of God. I'm reading The Interior Castle right now, and uh, St. Teresa of Avila is defining love. It's basically doing all things to please God. And and it's a, it's a slightly longer um, quote, but, but the, the gist of it is um, to actually live in love is to do all things to please God. It's not to please man. It's not to be successful. It's to do that which is pleasing to God. And and this, coming back to the interior life piece of, piece of the puzzle, like I... I I'm not surprised, Joseph, about what things I say or do are pleasing to you and what things are not, because I have the great pleasure of... Every once in a while, I throw you off by being grumpy. (laughs) But then I know that's not me, it's you. (laughs) But but generally speaking, we we have the gift of getting to spend, I think, maybe more time with each other than a, a lot of couples do by the nature of the work we often do together and that allows me to know what like oh I know you like Brussels sprouts so and there's extra Brussels sprouts so I made them because I I was so happy you would like them I was um and so I I wasn't there there wasn't discernment in that for me it was like oh there's Brussels sprouts that need to be used and Joseph likes Brussels sprouts therefore I will do this because it will be pleasing and it's not hard for me <laughs> um or even if it was hard for me I'd still probably have made the brussels sprouts but but realizing the more time i spend with the lord the easier it is for me to know 
what would be pleasing to him or not. Um, and I mean, first and foremost, knowing, spending time with him first thing in the morning before the kids get up, even if it's only five minutes, is a game changer. But then also wrestling with how do I reconnect with him throughout the course of the day? Um, yeah. Because I think the more that I allow myself to enter into his presence, which is always there, the easier it is to know, oh, yeah, this would be pleasing to the Lord. Oh, this probably isn't. Yeah, the first thing in the morning thing is so key. I was reading in a book... um, it was a well he was quoting someone else and i don't remember who he was quoting um so this is a third hand quote anyway it, it the the idea is um you would never tune your instrument after you've already played your concert mm. so why would we not go and have ourselves be tuned uh before we do anything else you know first thing in the morning to go to the author and perfecter of our nature and to say, here I am, Lord. I come to do your will. Um, and I I thought that that's a really beautiful way to put it. Like if I know that God is calling me to do something beautiful today and I am not willing to conform myself to the beauty that is God, first thing, why am I surprised that I feel a disconnect between um, all different aspects of my life that I feel disintegrated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Why are you surprised? Are you surprised? Uh, Less and less. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm starting to realize that uh, I am a colossal fool. Uh, One of my favorite prayers is a prayer... So St. Philip Neri, apparently towards the end of his life, decided to burn most of his writings until people said, stop that. Um, But one of the prayers of St. Philip Neri is, Lord, don't trust Philip today. (laughs) And I I just, to to say that at the beginning of the day, you know, I'm not called to radical Mm. self-trust. That is not what I'm called to. I'm called to radical trust in the Lord, mm-hmm. a stepping out into faith. Um, like if I if I want to see a life that's larger than the life that I'm living right now, um, th- then I need to to rely on someone who is larger than me. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was listening. If if you guys if you are faithful listeners are not also occasionally dipping into the podcast the Thomistic Institute, I do recommend it. Confession, I'm not. You're not a listener of the Thomistic Institute yet. Just a secondhand listener. Just a secondhand listener. Um, I'll I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, but in a recent talk, one of the I think it was a Benedictine, which is ironic because it said Dominican podcast but he was talking about in a classroom um a, a catholic classroom one of the students decided to be an atheist and he said you know at least i'm 
uh, true to myself. You know, I know you guys are all out on partying on the weekends. I know what you guys are saying. I know what you guys are doing. And someone in the back of the room said, well, at least we're trying to be true to something bigger than ourselves. Mm. Um, and to know that that's actually what the interior life allows for us to be. Mm-hmm. And and I think, I mean, going back to the very original question of like, what is the wrestling? Like that, that is the wrestling in, in getting to a point in the day and realizing I, I am relying on myself and not on God. And I feel, I feel it. I, I'm a hot mess all of a sudden. And, and in that moment, I often just throw up my hands and get mad that I'm such a hot mess. And what I'm learning to do instead is to say, Jesus, <laughs> I surrender to you. Take care of everything. I can't, I can't do this. And, and then in comes the grace. Mm-hmm. As soon as I lay it out and say, Jesus, I can't do this. And I didn't connect with you this morning. And I'm not okay. In comes my Savior in some form or fashion. And, and, real, and not that it makes it less hard or that I find being a mom less challenging or less frustrating but that that there's grace there to be graceful in it um and and that I don't feel quite so alone Mm -hmm. yeah I mean having a short little prayer to throw up they're called ejaculatory prayers these these um the 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 phrase that uh Caesar uh said when he crossed the, the Rubicon, alia yakta est, the die is cast. The yakta means to throw. Um, and in an ejaculatory prayer, it's a th- just thrown up. Um, so what was your prayer again? Jesus, I surrender to you. Take care of everything. Stolen from, well, I found out later, stolen from the surrender novena, but it was given to me as a prescription I, your mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I find a prayer that comes to mind my my lips and to my heart often is, you know, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Mm. Uh, or sometimes, Jesus, Son of David, have pity on me, a sinner. You know, uh, which recasts everything back to, oh, I I am not, I'm not the savior in this situation. I'm not the hero. I'm not the one who can solve it all and do it all. I actually have to look somewhere else. Which it, it, it is a radical thing to, to say that and do that. That's not exactly what the culture is telling us to do. Well, and one of the first times that somebody really shared the gospel with me, I remember distinctively saying, which led up to this person sharing the gospel with me, like, if I can't manage it myself, then I shouldn't manage it. Like, if I can't do it all on my own, then it's not worth trying to do. And this radical individualism that had somehow gotten into my brain in in a, I mean, even people that I feel like like individualism and like trying to like, I do it my way kind of thing, like can see like 
grocery shopping requires other people. <laughs> yep. Like, I, I can't grow my own food. So if I really want to be that, like, I mean, the, the language I was using, if the logic was followed out properly, would lead me to starvation. Like, I, I'm not, you know, I mean, I guess if I was thinking very transaction, but the, it just, it's so devoid of vulnerability and real relationship to be able to say, but I need and I can't. And this friend told me that, like, it's possible that there are things that you can't do and that you might need something as big as a God to help you out. Do you remember what your response was? Oh, it got my wheels turning. I think, I mean, that was probably the second or third time that anybody had tr- sort of shared the gospel with me. Um, so, I, I, I mean, I think in terms of like, I, you know, people say you need to hear the gospel seven times before you can I say I think yes they to say it. you need to hear anything seven times. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it's a seed that was planted. That I Clearly, I still remember it. I, it's definitely... I think part of what opened my heart to seeking the Lord at all and realizing the faulty logic. I mean, it also makes me think about my like hardcore feminist days and like, I don't want to be in the kitchen because that's women's work and I don't want to do women's work. And my grandfather, who was very supportive, I mean, funded my education in engineering, was very supportive of me pursuing an independent lifestyle an independent lifestyle was like crystal if you can't cook you won't be able to feed yourself and that's not actually independent or true feminism so just me like taking some of these ideas to like a weird extreme weird extreme um well so there's um there's this blog by a professor over at christendom college and the blog is called bacon from acorns I'll put a link to that, too, in the show notes. Why not? And he's got a series of articles on the household. And um, I, I recommend them to, to many people. I recommend, them to, I recommend them to you, my listeners, our listeners right now. But in one of them, so he's very influenced by Aristotle. And he quotes Aristotle in one of the articles saying that what my friend can do, I can do. What my friend can do, I can do. Hmm. And if we actually have a real relationship with God, who can do all things, Mm. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Mm -hmm. Right? And and the sense that, that what we're called to in the interior life is a life of, of love, of a real relationship with someone who can do everything, which means that we're not necessary, which means he's inviting us to participate, and he knows exactly what we can do and what we can add, and he knows how to compensate for our stammering. Um, I mean, so many times I will not speak because I know that I'll probably stammer, and and so I... I, I uh, well, I, I just, I won't say the thing because there's this fear of stammering. And yet, 
I think God knows that I stammer from time to time, and he knows that I trip over words from time to time, and I think he's much more okay with it than I am, and I think he accepts me a lot more than I do sometimes. Yeah, and that brings my mind back full circle to that interior life and that if I'm spending that time with him to be reaffirmed in him accepting me as I am even in my imperfections and and even in my sin he won't leave me there he wants to help me be better but but he accepts accepts me where I am well and then he can he can work with that I can come to him sinful and broken and he can bring healing and forgiveness mm-hmm so that I don't sin, and so that any of my lingering imperfections that are still coming out. And um, I was reading this in the Soul of the Apostolate before we started about how St. Teresa of Avila noted that when she became the, um, what, what did she become, the abbess? I think so. The head of her community. She noted that she was doing a lot more things and so she was committing a lot more faults, mm-hmm. but she was she had never felt closer to God. Um, and it wasn't that the more responsibility was causing these faults; it was that the more responsibility was calling these faults into the light that otherwise would not have been addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, not that she was saying I was constantly sinning, um, but that she. She was recognizing her limitations. I think facing our limitations is a thing that's difficult to do unless we know that we're loved. Yes. And in the love of the Lord and in the interior life, I found for me, he prepares my heart to face the imperfection that he's going to give me the grace to work on. In fact, a particular time comes to mind where when we were teammates. We are still teammates. We are still teammates. But when we in were, a much more permanent sense. <laughs> back in the day, my first year on staff as a missionary, and you sat me down and gave me a correction. And you had clearly prayed about it and thought about it and, and put a lot of of prayer and thoughtfulness and how to do it well and unbeknownst to you during that time the Lord really had prepared my heart to receive the correction and I was able to like you you gave me new information to something that was going on in my heart that I knew was an imperfection and probably also some sin but I wasn't quite sure the way out and you're responding to the Lord's call and realizing, no, you're my teammate and I I need to call you out on this. Um, I was ready. I was ready to receive that. And so realizing the, I mean, in that particular instance, there was a mutual benefit to us each having a strong interior life. Um, or at least pursuing a strong interior life, but also I mean, we had five 
holy hours in front of the Blessed Sacrament a week. At the same time. At the same time. Scheduled in. Yeah. Um, and and so realizing that I, I still to this day have many an imperfection and many a struggle that I had even then. But at that time, the Lord gave, gave me the grace to work on that thing. And he used you to help me learn how to work on that imperfection and realizing when I enter into this conversation with the Lord, he's not, I mean, scriptures say be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect, but it doesn't say and get it done yesterday or else. It, it's a process and knowing that when we're attentive and with the Lord and, and trusting in his love for us and plan for our lives, that, that he will gently work with us a little bit at a time. And that he's working with the other people in our lives, yeah. right? You know, it says in the catechism, God infinitely perfect and blessed in himself in a plan of sheer goodness, freely created man to share in his own divine life. Um, for this reason, at all times and in every place, God draws close to man. Like at all times, at every place, God draws close to man, to you, to me, mm-hmm. to our neighbor, mm-hmm. to the person at the cash register at the grocery store, uh, to the librarian, to the person driving behind me and in front of me, that mm-hmm. God is drawing close to them and to me. Mm-hmm. And being attentive to the Lord's voice in those moments of what, next time I have that checkout gal at Aldi, I'm going to tell her she's my favorite. She's the best. But yeah, to have that confidence that God is working, that, you know, we we don't see all of the picture. Like, we, we can't actually comprehend, I mean which is sensible enough, I can't even comprehend my own life. How, how would I ever expect to comprehend many other people's lives? I, I had lunch with someone recently, and I was just struck by how this person in front of me is a complete mystery. No matter how much they explain their thought processes, no matter how much they explain their background, they're going to be a mystery. And that that actually is okay like i i cannot comprehend them but i know someone who does comprehend them um and there there is great peace in that yeah yeah and that it's not up to me to figure it all out and if there's something that's important for me to see in this moment that the creator of the universe can give that to me and I do not need to be anxious about what I don't see or can't see if I'm being attentive to what the Lord does want to show me. So this all sounds really good, but you began by saying that you're wrestling with this. Yeah. Do you have next steps in mind? So, yes, <laughs> I think. Tell me more. 
one of the next steps is responding to those little nudges. Call this person, send this person a text message, say a Hail Mary for that person. Just responding to, to those little nudges throughout the day. And then, um, so that's one thing. Another thing, when I do feel the the disconnect when I do feel the, what was the word I used earlier, the spentness in the not good way, um, realizing I, I need a moment to reconnect with the Lord right now. And even if that's a real quick ejaculatory prayer, Jesus, I surrender to you. Thank you. Take care of everything. And thank you so much <laughs> to my dear husband's wonderful mother for sharing that with me. Um, then I can, I can do that at at the very least, but if I can take a moment to do a, pray a decade to the rosary or do something else to, to reconnect a little bit more that I should do that. Um, so that's the second thing, reconnecting with the Lord. So first, following the little intuitive voice pushes. Second, reconnecting with the Lord. And then third, just realizing that in the struggle to maintain just a daily prayer life at all, I haven't been great at cultivating a habit of praying for the people I know I'm going to interact with on a regular basis. And I've seen, and I, I know intellectually how amazingly fruitful of a practice that is. Um, so I think another next step is getting back into that good old writing out a list seeing if the lord groups said list in any particular way for me and talking to him about all the people and sort of as a zeroth step is that um Well, you did talk about cultivating the interior life, but like first thing, commitment to that mm-hmm. for his own sake. Yeah. Right. And and with the first thing in the morning, commitment to that, realizing if I can get half an hour, 45 minutes, maybe even a whole hour, that's amazing. And I've been able to do that more often than I thought would be possible as a mom with young children in the last year. However, four minutes is better than nothing. And reminding myself of that on those days where maybe I've overslept and I think, oh, well, I've only got 10 minutes. It's not worth it. Yes, it's worth it. That that if I don't connect with the Lord for a hot second in the morning, everything else isn't going to work. All those other ideas are going to fall to pieces. Can I share something that I've been trying to do a little bit more regularly? Please. So we have no requirement to do this as lay people, but the church does invite us to do this, and that's to pray the Liturgy of the Hours. I've been finding it really helpful to pray through at least morning prayer, and if I can, the Office of Readings. And then we've been doing night prayer, um, I would say more often than not, the past couple months. It's so rich. Yeah. 
And it gives more of those nuggets, those where like, oh Lord, my God, unwearied is your love for us has become a new mantra to my heart, which if anybody prays night prayer, I think it's like the Monday antiphon. Just, yeah, it gets the scripture mm-hmm. into your soul. And like the little readings, especially in night prayer, they're just a very compact condensation of like, oh, this is the gospel message. Oh, this is what, you know, Satan actually has it out for us. It's like very like very succinct, very powerful. Um and yeah, just just a, a more familiarity with the Psalms. Uh I think it was in morning prayer today where it talked about God like uh preparing arms for battle. Mm. I was like, I I don't remember hearing that psalm at Mass very much. But there it is in morning prayer, awesomely. Yeah. And that there's something like God God is doing things. He's preparing us. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have, as part of our interior life, having it be shaped by the objective reality of the liturgy. So both the Mass and the Liturgy of the Hours, that that our hearts are actually called to be shaped. And the Church has given us that shape because these are the Psalms that David wrote. These are the psalms that Jesus prayed, that Mary prayed. These are the prayer book of the church. Yeah. And that, um, yeah, our hearts aren't aren't meant to be all, uh, I don't know. Empty? Inchoate? Uh, chaotic? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. That's something that I'm working on now. I know I have uh, priest friends and the like. They're, they've been praying the liturgy of the hours for who knows how long. They're like, Joseph, now you're doing it? I'm like, yes. Yes, I am. Better late than never. Better late than never. Um, speaking of late. Speaking of late, the hour grows, grows late. And? Shall I close us in prayer? And one last final thought. Sure. About if people like our podcast, apparently rating it is helpful. So we'd love to hear from you. All right, I'll pray. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Come Holy Spirit, teach us how to pray. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you for this time together. Pray for our listeners that they would receive a boost of grace to draw deeper into an interior life, deeper into confidence in their identity, and for us in our identities as beloved children of the Father. We ask this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. From our outpost to yours, thanks for listening. And a special thanks to John Mark Skoke. That's S-K-O-C-H. For the music. Check him out on Spotify. 